Award-winning coverage lives right here on WMUL-FM Huntington, WFGH-FM Fort Gay, and WTHMLP Ravenswood, West Virginia. I'm dropping the hammer. No, you're not. Welcome to Speed Zone, the best motorsports show on radio. I'm your host, Ben Cower, and across the next hour, we'll recap everything. Yes, everything in racing that happened in the last week. We'll discuss the latest news and cap it all off with a star-studded interview. So buckle up, rev your motor, and drop the hammer, because this is Speed Zone. And welcome everybody to Speed Zone on this Wednesday evening here in Huntington, West Virginia. I'm Ben Cower, your host. We got plenty to talk about tonight. Do not have an interview this evening, but we do have a full panel, so we'll have plenty of discussion about some of the latest topics in NASCAR and surrounding sports, even local motorsports at the local Ona Speedway. So we'll be talking about plenty tonight, plenty on the news bracket for today and in recent events. Noah Gragson being reinstated by NASCAR. We'll be chatting about that. Chase Elliott versus Kyle Larson at, at Kansas. Two teammates going at it. Drama for Martin Truex Jr. Zane Smith's announcement today that he's signed something for next year and plenty of action at Ona Speedway this past weekend. We're going to talk about it coming up here. Let's get into the show. And here's Flag to Flag. Welcome to Flag to Flag, a recap of the week that was in motorsports, as Ben Cower covers everything you might have missed in this past week of racing action. All right, welcome to Flag to Flag. Let's get right into it, starting out with the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series at Kansas Speedway. NASCAR's upper four echelons, the Trucks, the Xfinity Series, Cup Series, and ARCA National visited the Kansas Speedway this past week. Let's start out with the Craftsman Trucks. It, it was Christian Eckes taking home the victory after an incredible three-wide battle for the lead late in the race versus Corey Heim and Zane Smith. Smith, with an incredible save, still finished top five, but Eckes only led the final two laps to secure his third victory of the season, which was his first at Kansas in his entire career and his fourth of his career. Being eliminated in the Truck Series playoffs, Matt Benedetto had a valiant run, only had to settle for third, but it was not enough. He would have had to win to make it into the next round. Also eliminated, veteran Matt Crafton. The 88 truck just not good enough here in the first round. So the top five in the Truck Series race, Christian Eckes, again your winner, Taylor Gray in second place. Matt Benedetto mentioned him before. P3. His season isn't over, uh, at least with regards to uh, going for wins, but again, this will be his last season in the 25 truck. Corey Heim in P4, and Zane Smith with an incredible save late in the race in the final corners. Knocked almost out of orbit, saved that truck, and the 38 finishes in P5. Now on to the Xfinity Series race at Kansas. The next day was on Saturday, and it was none other than John Hunter Nemechek again with winning in the Xfinity Series and uh, again held off Brandon Jones who's had a real sour season up until this point Brandon Jones not able to get into the playoffs but almost came up with a victory at Kansas had to settle for second Sheldon Creed in P3 Parker Kligerman in fourth we'll talk about him in a moment and Austin Hill in fifth place 
Barker Kligerman, again, made the cut for the Xfinity playoffs. Set it to watch out for that 48 car last week. He made it this weekend as uh, Riley Herbst in the 98 car, the first car out. The 48 and the 98, Herbst in the 98, and Kligerman in the 48 made contact on a restart, and the 98's tire got cut. He went two laps down on pit road, and it ended his playoff chances. And uh, obviously, the Xfinity field for the playoff set, it's Nemechek, Hill, Allgaier, Cole Custer, Sam Mayer, Chandler Smith, Sheldon Creed, Josh Berry, Sammy Smith, Jeb Burton are also joined by Parker Kligerman. So your top five in that race. John Hunter Nemechek with the win. Brandon Jones in second. Sheldon Creed in third. Again, Parker Kligerman in fourth. And Austin Hill in P5. Now on to the Cup Series at Kansas as it was Tyler Reddick with a thriller of a finish. Three wide coming to the white flag and Tyler Reddick scores the victory. Made the daring move down the front straightaway and passed both Hamlin, Denny Hamlin that is, and Eric Jones in a soaring 48 or 43 machine for Legacy Motor Club battling for the finish but it was Tyler Reddick in his 23-11 45 car, the Money Lion machine, took home the victory in his first win at Kansas Speedway second here in 2023 again off that insane finish crossover for the win. That was set up by a blown tire late for Chris Buescher, ended his streak of great finishes this year and Martin Truex Jr. Again, the regular season champion blew a tire early, so it ended up finished near the back half of the field, and he's in dire straits heading to Bristol. Again, the regular season champion currently out. Has to run well at Bristol to make it into the next round. Toyota, again, yet to lose a cup race at Kansas in the next-gen car. Hamlin won in the spring. Bubba Wallace last fall, and Kurt Busch last spring before he retired. So your top ten in the Cup Series event from Kansas. Tyler Reddick in first. Denny Hamlin is in second. Eric Jones in P3. Kyle Larson in fourth. Joey Logano round out the top five. Chase Elliott in P6. Kyle Busch in seventh. Christopher Bell in P8. Brad Kozlowski in P9. And Alex Bowman rounds out the top ten. Now on to the Arkham Menard series, also at Kansas. And it was Connor Mozak finally breaking through for his first victory in the series. Again, Mozak, the seventh first-time winner in Arca in 2023. Your top five in that event. Connor Mozak, again with a win. Carson Kovapel making his truck debut this weekend at Bristol. Finished second in the Arca race at Kansas. Tony Breidinger in P3. LeVar Scott in fourth. And Jake Finch uh, rounded out the top five. Now on to the IndyCar Series event at Laguna Seca, where it was Scott Dixon, the Iceman, scoring his uh, umpteenth victory of the year late here in the season. Dixon, a uh, strong showing here late in 2023, but again, not enough. Alex Pillow, his teammate, was crowned the champion last week in Portland. And Pillow rounded out his season with a top three finish. Scott McLaughlin of or Scott McLaughlin, excuse me, of Penske in the number three machine. Finished P2. Was not able to beat Dixon for the win. And again, it was a wreck fest of a race at the Firestone Grand Prix of Monterey. But again, it was Scott Dixon coming out on top. Callum Islet and, and Augustin Canapino for uh, Junco's Racing. Some drama off the track as uh, Islet feeling threatened by some of Canapino's fans after a move during the race. Pay attention to that drama. It's very interesting in IndyCar alongside Jerry, Yuri Vips and Graham Rahal, two teammates going at it and it uh, got ugly on Saturday, or excuse me, Sunday. And then in the, the Smart Modified Tour race the at Dominion Speedway, the old Dominion Classic was canceled due to weather, so that didn't happen. In the World of Outlaws, Silver Dollar Speedway. It was the uh, Gold Cup race of champions Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Kyle Larson 
won race one on Thursday night. Shane Golubic in second, Corey Day in third. Race two on, sa- on Friday night, Michael Colfoyd scored the victory. Justin Sanders in second, Dominic Selzy in P3. And then finally, race three, Corey Day, Justin Sanders in P2, and Michael Kofoid rounded out the top three. There's so much racing action this week, it's gone past the bed, but we're going to keep going. The Cars Tour at New River All-American Speedway was won by Brendan Butterbean Queen. And uh, again, Queen, the last time he visited Victory Lane, came at North Wilkesboro in May. He led 67 of 125 laps then, but bringing home this particular win was far from a smooth experience as Ronnie Bassett Jr., who again, who will finish, finished in P3 of this event, uh, made a daring move in the final laps, almost knocked Queen out of competition, but it was Butterbean Queen scoring the victory. Connor Jones settles for P2, and again, Ronnie Bassett Jr. with that daring move late in the race, finishes P3. So, finally, on to the racing action at Ona Speedway this past weekend. We'll be discussing this later on in the show, but just a quick recap. The racing began at 6.30, and it was... I guess it started off with the Jeffrey Trucking Legends car semi-pro feature, and after 20 laps, it was Randall Klein scoring his first victory of 2023. Next up, it was the Patriot Meat Processing Modifieds, and after 20 laps, it was Jeremy Cooper scoring his fourth win of the year in his dominant season here in 2023. Hasn't has it not? Uh, lost a race where he's he's led every single lap and every single win he's had this season. And then the all-seasons Power Sports late model feature. After 20 laps, it was none other than Jake Keaton, who's dominating that series this year. Then in the Jeffers Excavating and Transportation 50 for the Ohio Women's Superstock feature. After 50 laps, it was Jeff Kukendall scoring the victory for the Ohio Wheelman guys. Then on to the Mays Tire and Service Center Legends Car Pro feature. And after 20 laps, Jason Garrett scored his first victory in 20. 23, holding off his good friend Jake Keaton. And then in the Contempo Trophy and Awards U-Car feature, Chris Deskins, again the multi, multi-time champion in the U-Cars, scored yet another victory this year, and he uh, almost has licked his stamp and sent it for the championship this year on that uh, trophy. And then finally, the Gumbo Stop Cafe Crazy Compacts feature. After 20 laps, thrilling ones at that. Stacy Watson and Evan Proctor took themselves out of competition late, still finished second and third, but ran each other into the outside fence off a turn two after racing side-by-side for so many laps. Really, three the top three under a blanket in a four-car race. And it was Evan Strickland scoring his first victory in 2023, going past the top two, and then holding off, again, Watson and Proctor, aforementioned, to score his first victory here in 2023. So, after all that talking, I'm going to take a quick break here. And then when we come back on Speed Zone, it's going to be my favorite segment, What's Up This Week? Because you know what? There's a lot going on this week. So stay tuned. More coming up next right here on Speed Zone. When it comes to cancer, what you don't know can kill you. Too many Americans over 50 haven't received potentially life-saving screenings for colon and breast cancer. That's a problem. Colon cancer is a leading cause of cancer deaths in the U.S., and breast cancer is a leading cause of cancer deaths among women. In fact, one out of every eight women will get breast cancer in her lifetime. Early detection is so important. If you're between 50 and 75, get screened for colon cancer. The earlier colon cancer is found, the easier it is to cure. Women between 50 and 74 need to get a mammogram every two years. Screening can find breast cancer early when treatment is most effective. 
If you're over 50, talk to your healthcare provider about getting screened for cancer. It could save your life. For more information, visit www.cdc.gov cancer. And welcome back to Speed Zone. I'm Ben Cower, and it's finally time for What's Up This Week, the best segment on the show, in my opinion, because you get to find out all the exciting racing action happening this weekend. Let's start out with Thursday. It's going to be the ARCA Series at Bristol, the ARCA Menard Series, I should say, at Bristol for the Bush's Beans 200. Oh, yeah, we're getting the, the beans, the beans race at Bristol this weekend at 6 p.m. Again, that'll be on Thursday, and uh, it's going to be one heck of a battle for the East Series because it's going to be between William Sawalich and Luke Fenhouse for that title, so pay attention to uh, see how that entire championship battle plays out. And then later that night, the Craftsman Truck Series at 9 p.m., also at Bristol for the UNO 200, again, the University of Northern Ohio 200. So that'll be at 9 p.m. on Thursday night. Then Friday, the World of Outlaws visits Kings Speedway in Hanford, California for the Tom Tarleton Classic. Also, the NASCAR Xfinity Series has uh, its turn at Bristol for the Food City 250. So plenty of action on Friday night, also on Thursday night. Then on Saturday, it's the NASCAR Cup Series at Bristol for the Bristol Night Race at 7.30 p.m. Also, the World of Outlaws visits Placerville Speedway and its namesake, Placerville, Pennsylvania, for the World of Outlaws 49er Gold Rush Classic. And then also on the same night, the NASCAR Wheeland Modified Series visiting, visiting Riverhead, Riverhead Raceway. I'm speaking too quickly. Riverhead Raceway for the Eddie Partridge 256 at 8 p.m. So it's going to be an action-packed Saturday night in racing. Again, the NASCAR Cup Series at Bristol. I will be at that race. I'm very excited, and a member of our panel will also be at that race with me, but I will mention him in just a few moments, so stay tuned. And then on Sunday, the F1, uh, Formula One, that's right, Formula One will visit the uh, Singapore for the Singapore Grand Prix, bright and early at 8 a.m. here stateside. So if you want to get up early on Sunday, you'll get to watch a Formula One race if you want. Again, at 8 a.m., will Max Verstappen win again? Probably. <laughs> and then the Smart Mod Tour will visit Lonesome Pine Speedway for the inaugural Mod Squad Nationals again on Sunday. And then finally, IMSA and its WeatherTech Sports Car Championship Series will also visit the Brickyard for the Battle on the Bricks. Again, that is on Sunday. So four days action-packed for racing events this week and weekend. So stay tuned all weekend because there's plenty of racing action all weekend and it's going to be great. So we're going to take another quick break here here on Speed Zone, and when we come back, it's going to be the Racing Roundtable, so stay tuned. We've got plenty to talk about here in the racing world. Uh, coming up next, here on Speed Zone. Imagine if drug abusers said exactly what was on their minds. Hi, Jim. Uh, you got a minute? Only if it's a quick minute, Steve. Well, it's the Anderson file. We should talk about it. No, listen, I'd love to, uh, but I was just about to snort some coke. Why'd you say snort coke? That's right. Cocaine. You know, blow, nose candy. I do it all day. Not your typical office conversation, but consider this. One in seven working Americans uses illegal drugs. But what about the Anderson file? Tell you what. Let me duck into the men's room, do a couple of lines, and I'll be 
right with you. Of course, drug abusers aren't this candid about their problem, but sooner or later, their problem speaks for itself. Okay, got my head cleared. Now, about that Peterson file. Anderson file, Jim. What can you do for someone who needs help? Give them this number, 1-800-662-HELP. That's 1-800-662-HELP. It's the number of the National Drug Abuse Helpline. It's free, it's confidential, and it just may be the help they need. This message brought to you by the Partnership for a... Hey, if you don't want to listen, get your earplugs ready, because we're about to hear some high-octane debate. It's time for the Racing Roundtable, with your host Ben Cower and multiple guest panelists. Whew, now that that's over, who's at the table today? And who is at the table today? It should be no surprise, none other than Dale Garrett and Sean Kelly. Welcome back to the show, you two. Thanks for having us. It's great to be on. Always great to be on. You sound very thrilled, Sean. But <laughs> Ben, you know as well as I do that this is just how I speak sometimes. Sean's a very calm human being. Most of the time. We're going to have a very quiet episode of Speed Zone tonight. <laughs> it's going to be like we're commentating the Masters here on Speed Zone. We had Kansas this week. We had Kansas Speedway this week. Please don't. Plenty of... <laughs> okay, let's jump straight into it. Our first topic this week here on Speed Zone, Kansas. It happened, and it was a great set of races this weekend. I'll uh, post to the panel just generally positive and negative takeaways and your thoughts on uh, this uh, weekend's events, multiple, at Kansas Dale. We'll start with you. You know, uh, NBC put up a graphic. It was like uh, X amount of playoff drivers have had issues at Kansas over the years, and it's been over half most of the time. And uh, we saw the same this weekend. You know, I thought that was, um, you know, really good for drama. You know, it's always nice to have drama in a race. But I'm not saying every race should have drama. Please, please don't annihilate me. But well, you don't want you want more drama? No. No. I'll go tell NASCAR right now. Oh, no. Don't give them any bright ideas. They're, they're already on a roll this week. Yeah, they're already on a roll this week. We'll talk about that later on in the show. Anyway, yeah, it's um, a lot of the drama with the playoff drivers was... It, it made the race fun and unexpected and chaotic, which, again, they all shouldn't be that way. But anyways, moving on. Uh, I predicted coming in that it'd be a Toyota racetrack, and uh, I was pretty much correct on that statement. Yeah, you were right on the money. Yeah. Um, legacy. The 43 car was contending for a race win. He was consistently up there as yes, well. Yes, he, it wasn't a fluke. Shockingly. Yes, <laughs> very shockingly. <laughs> that team has picked up more speed as the year has continued. It's funny, now that it's moving away from Chevy, now it's building fast cars. Mm-hmm. Bittersweet. It's just at the worst possible time. <laughs> it's because of Carson Hosevar. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sean, what are your thoughts on Kansas? Overall, I, I liked the racing, specifically in the Cup Series race, especially coming out of the restarts. There was that battle for the lead between Denny Hamlin and, uh, and Brad Keselowski in the beginning of Stage 3. That was one example of me that was exciting with Eric Jones. Eric Jones in the mix as well with I believe Reddick was, was up there as well during that and then the battle between Joey Logano and Eric Jones in overtime with the dive bomb from 
Tyler Reddick down low heading into the final lap. Those two were two specific moments that I really liked from the race. Kind of a boring stage one, in my opinion, with Larson leading majority of it and a few tire issues sprinkled in. No offense, Dale. <laughs> but overall, I, I liked I, I liked the racing. And as far as negatives go, it was more of a tire strategy race at times, which isn't my favorite type of racing but it, it it made up for it with the drama i was a bit conflicted with it while it made the race fun it was all just avoidable specifically with the larson and elliott scenario that we'll get into most likely later in the show and the controversy with the bubba wallace post-race interview which is my next negative can we stop dissecting every single bubba wallace interview for something to criticize the man makes an obvious joke comment of doing the stereotypical pulling at the shirt collar thing that you see in cartoons with his fire suit and going oh he's, he's a little bit of a head case about his teammate and then people find a way to criticize it but I can't control what other people think. So those are really my only negatives. But overall, it was it was an exciting race complete with more drama. It's just another great race at Kansas where this car, you know, at many tracks, it doesn't work, specifically short tracks. And at many tracks, it works beautifully. And those happen to be the 1.5 milers and another thrilling race at Kansas. It couldn't have ended in any other way except in thrilling fashion i'll keep on using that word because what a move by reddick at the end of the race pushing it three wide at the line should be no surprise that a 2311 car or something denny hamlin adjacent wins at kansas because it's been the last four races at kansas really all four with the next gen car three out of the four have been won by 2311 racing kurt bush bubba wallace and now tyler reddick so all three of its drivers that have raced for that team at least full-time uh, in the last year or two under the next-gen car have all won a race at Kansas. And then you know who won the spring race? Denny Hamlin. Dale, you remember how that how that how how he won that race? Oh, yeah, I remember it all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it was in uh, rather dramatic fashion. But uh, Toyota's is so good at Kansas. And even then, it was still a, a thriller of an event. It was a shame seeing Chris Buescher rack out. You know, that certainly won't help him in the point standings. But an even bigger story was Martin Truex Jr. crashing out, what, on lap two, three? Uh, the regular season champion, you know, injures his car fatally early on. Uh, apparently, the tow truck picked him up and pulled him back to the garage when Truex wanted to stay on pit road. So it ended his day early. It was some. It was plenty of drama. The racing was exciting. There was 19 lead changes amongst 10 cars. I mean, again, Kansas is one of those tracks that it's just so exciting to watch it. These cars rip around there because you can use every lane. It was like it's it's very much very similar to. Atlanta and its prime when it when it the pavement had aged at Atlanta Motor Speedway in the early 2000s you could really use any lane full horsepower and it was you know three wide four wide racing all over the place you know it was a great cup race the really the incredible finish to the truck race and you know even even though the the commentators tried to squander it as much as they could it was still an incredible finish and uh, you know the Xfinity race, it was John Hunter Nibajek winning again. But Brandon Jones made it a show, even after wrecking earlier in the race. I told you he'd be up front last week. I said that. Yeah, and he was. He has won at Kansas before, and he was close again. But John Hunter Nibajek was not to be denied. And Parker Kligerman drove one heck of a race, too, to stay alive in the playoff standings. So I really, again, I, I agree with you guys. It was 
thrill another thriller at Kansas, and now we head to Bristol, and and it'll be only you know we'll be talking about it next week on this same show if the racing was good or not. Dale, you and I will be attending that race in person. Yes, we will be looking forward to it. Absolutely, it's going to be very very exciting, and uh, we'll get to see in person if it's going to be another classic Bristol night race or if it'll be anything like last year where there was no passing. Yeah, but it was a Chris Buescher dub. It was a Chris Buescher dub, and I wouldn't mind that. I think that'd be pretty cool. (laughs) With how these cars have raced on short tracks, it's not promising considering what we've seen this year, but for for you guys, I hope it's a very exciting race. All right, so we'll head on to the next topic, but we'll stay on something that happened here at Kansas. Drama! For Martin Truex Jr., the 19 car, Pyle drives into the outside wall after a puncture in his Goodyear tire very early on in the event, and the 19 car, MTJ, ends his day early, and now he's three points below the cut line after a rough race, or multiple points below the cut line. I could be wrong. I believe it's three. Dale gave me a look. But uh, he's multiple points below the cut line, and the 19 car is in trouble heading into Bristol, the cutoff race, after a rough race at Darlington and finishing at the back in Kansas. He's seven points behind the cut line. Thank you, Dale. So, seven points behind is the 19 car and plenty of drama for the regular season champ. Can Martin Truex Jr. recover to make the round of 12 at Bristol, or will the 19 fall victim to the first two and eventually three races of the round of 16? Sean, we'll start with you. I say no, considering how Truex has ran in the past five years at at the Bristol Night Race. It's been very up and down. I mean, last year he finished in 36. The the best finish he's had was 7th in 2021, but other than that, 30th in 2018, 13th in 2019, 24th in 2020. So considering how he's finished in the majority of these races at Bristol Night Race in the past, it really doesn't look promising for, for him in this one in this one either but I, I i think i think not i think he makes it seven points isn't a huge deficit especially if they can stay up front and get some stage points uh i mean they're going to be all hands on deck and we've seen this out of true x before where he's all hands on deck and i just think he's going to make it um i, I don't really see him getting eliminated this early if it does it would be a massive shock and um it'd just be insane to think that the regular season champion even with the bonus points that he received would be eliminated after the, the first round yeah it, it, you know this is a it's a incredible circumstance where Truex was so consistent all year long and that 19 car was really when a, a guy or a driver and a team as a whole wins the regular season title you kind of just expect it to roll all the way through to phoenix because it's been so good all year long through 26 weeks and then now it only has 10 more to go and you know why 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 would it be so hard it's just going to roll its way to phoenix it'll be in the final four and it'll be competing for a title but it goes to show it's why these nascar playoffs are so deadly because you can roll in to these final 10 races the best of the entire field of the cup series field and 
It could all go away in the first round in a massive upset if you just don't put the pieces together early. I mean, the same thing would essentially happen even if it was in the old format uh, before this playoff format, the chase. Back when it was the chase, whether it was 12 drivers, 10 drivers, if you fell behind early, you know, you could have been the best driver entering. And if you have bad races at the beginning, you're going to lose your lead, put yourself in a hole, and the people that are more consistent will pass you. So I personally think Truex is going to get out of the hole he is great at short tracks. You know, Toyota, I'm sure, will bring a great package to Bristol. And unless that 19 car wrecks Dale, and I, I don't know what the fan reaction is going to be, but, and I'm not saying not anything is going to be fixed, but, you know, it's the Bass Pro Shops night race, and he'll be driving the Bass Pro Shops car. I'll listen to this guy. <laughs> so I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying that, you know. Are you putting your tinfoil hat on? No, <laughs> I'm not putting a tinfoil hat on. I'm just saying that, you know, the cards, the stars are aligned. You know, Truex has won at Bristol before. I think he'll have a good run. I think he'll make it into the next round. I'm not saying Johnny Morris is going to, you know, come on down to Jim France's office at Bristol and be like, you better let him into the next round. I'm not sponsoring this race for nothing. He might. He might. (laughs) You don't know what goes on inside those offices. He might just do it. But we don't know. So Martin Truex Jr., obviously, uh, it'll be interesting to see if he can make it into the next round. And let's have a special segment here where... Hold on. There we go. The happy birthday song. Mentioning Martin Tricks Jr., you know, he was at Michael Waltrip Racing when Spingate happened 10 years ago. Today, the 10th anniversary. A happy birthday to Jeff Gordon being the 13th member of the playoffs, or the chase, back when it was the chase, in uh, quite possibly the biggest farce in uh, NASCAR points history. So just a happy birthday to, uh, again, Jeff Gordon and the anniversary of Spingate and the 13th driver to the chase. You know, what's interesting to me with Spingate as well is the butterfly effect that resulted from it with the, between obviously the spin with Clint Boyer and Brian Vickers being told to pit with Napa leaving that allowed Martin Truex to uh, Martin Truex then left for Furniture Row and then basically revitalized his career there Napa ends up signing with Hendrick and hooks on to Chase Elliott from his rookie year of his nationwide series then nationwide series career wins a championship there and it's, it's just interesting how that all works out after two teams, including Penske, got caught at Richmond 10, 10 long years ago. I remember this as a kid. It reminds me that we're getting older. But uh, <laughs> anyway, I grew up a Jeff Gordon fan, and I was ecstatic after what was seemingly a promising 2013, mm-hmm. and then he didn't make the chase. It's like, oh, no. Will we ever see the fifth? And we never did. But anyway... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was. I remember. Then Brian it, France hooked you up. He did. He did. He said happy <laughs> birthday. Um, but no, it crazy how the whole thing happened. Like Sean said, how Napa left and the MWR collapse is basically that event in, in its entirety. It just it was a wild day, and um, we're talking a lot about arms today because I think my arm itches. <laughs> That's a, a memorable day, a memorable night at Richmond with a unbelievable butterfly effect. It just shows, goes to show how quickly and how fast things can change in racing. And it's more than just being fast on the track. So we'll go on to the next topic. You guys mentioned Napa in that uh, in that 
reminiscing upon Spingate being and you know Jeff Gordon being added to the playoffs ten years ago. Napa leaving Michael Waltrip Racing, and then who did it? End, who did it end up with? Chase Elliott the next year, and that's who's going to be the subject of our next topic here on Speed Zone. Chase Elliott got into a little bit of hot water with his teammate. Kyle Larson, you know, he's been a little angsty this season, got himself suspended with uh, his move of the Coke 600 and, you know, wasn't very happy with not making the playoffs and, you know, injured himself early on in the season, falling off of a snowboard. And obviously, Elliott is a bit frustrated with how this 2023 has gone and took out a bit of that frustration on his teammate Kyle Larson, who, mind you, is battling for a championship. Chase Elliott is battling for an owner's championship but not for a points championship so it's a uh it was a rough situation for elliot and uh there was he made contact with larson on pit road late in the race as it was three wide and larson cut up into the side of elliot as the three cars were entering i believe it was kozlowski on the outside and then elliot doored larson off a of pit road and a turn one drove him all the way down traded some paint and then after the race went and had some words with his teammate and then you know acted very innocuously in his post-race interview as to saying oh no i don't have an issue there's just no issue there which he's done in the past <laughs> so i posed to the panel uh what are your thoughts on the whole situation and should chase change how you know how he's approaching the you know the final remaining eight races here in the season as he's still battling for a title in the owner's points race and you know obviously he doesn't want to affect any more of his teammates chances dale you're the kyle larson fan we'll start with you chase was just having a um a gorgeous day in the words of him but anyway um I, I personally don't think that there's an issue that Chase has an issue here. I mean, he's just frustrated from not making the playoffs and the lack of speed there late in the regular season. Um, yeah, he was up front at Kansas, but I don't foresee this materializing into anything else. As far as him, his attitude, I mean, you know, you got to learn to control your frustration and your anger when you're behind the wheel. And it, it's just Larson was a subject of him lashing out. So. I, I suspect that Mr. H set him down, set them both down. Probably, Mr. H has had to do a lot of talking this year. Yes, Mr. H has been <laughs> has been privately vocal. I'm sure, mm-hmm. but uh, no, I, I don't foresee anything materializing out of it. Neither do I. And the frustration of Elliot probably could have been avoided, but as you mentioned, it's it's just it's not only frustration of that domino effect started by Keselowski making a hard right turn out of pit lane and getting into out, out of his pit box and getting into Larson who then got into Elliott as a result of not really being able to go anywhere from that it, it usually it could have been avoided and he shouldn't do he shouldn't run into Larson coming out of pit out of pit road like that but it could also be argued potentially that he didn't see and the NBC announcers mentioned this too after it happened that he potentially could couldn't have even seen Kozlowski run up into Larson in the first place considering how Larson was right next to Elliot to his left and then Reddick was right next to him so 
As far as anything to change, just as Dale said, controlling his anger, but it's, that's really about it. There's really nothing else to it. It's just frustration. You know, this is a, I, I preface the racing roundtable with being, you know, high octane debate. You know what? I'll add some fuel to the fire. I think Ellie gets in a fight before the end of the year. I don't think this is the end of it. I think it's the end of it with his teammates. I think he gets into a fight before the end of the year. It's going to happen in a race where he's going to be competing for a win, and something's going to happen. The nine car's going to get taken out, and then he's going to get into a fight with somebody. He's not afraid to tussle. I think it happens before the end of the year. It might happen this weekend at Bristol. Inter- interesting perspective. Who do you predict? Who do you predict he fights with? Hamlin. I think it'll be. It could be with a playoff driver that he's battling with. It could be with someone who's eliminated, who's also you know not happy that something went awry in their season. I mean, we saw just what a week ago at Darlington with Bowman and Suarez getting into it. You know, they didn't exactly fight off the track. It was more so a war of words, and also plenty of blocking on the track. But it was, you know, they were pretty tempered so to say, because they were not happy that they were running well, and then they wrecked. And they weren't even racing for the lead. I mean, the nine car is a car that that team is capable of winning a race before this year is out. And I'm sure Elliot wants to end this year on some sort of a high note to head into next year, is not happy right now, and he could change that a bit with a win. You know, it would change team morale a little bit, but I could foresee something happening to that nine car where he's in a prime spot to win. And I think he gets into a fight with someone before the end of the year. And in many, and in many of these races, Elliot is consistently still in the top ten. Oh it's, yeah, it's not like he's fallen off this year at all. So that certainly adds more to the argument that something could boil over before the year is out. But. I don't know. I, I, I guess we'll see. It, it could really go two opposite ways. Either Ellie's frustration could boil over with someone like, say, for example, Denny Hamlin, who's had yeah. his, his share of feuds over the over the course of this season, or Elliot goes back into basically Eeyore mode as he does in his in, mm-hmm. in his post race interviews of not really maybe he has saying a, anything at all and any sort of confrontation there maybe uh, an old friendship is rekindled with kevin harvick this weekend because kevin harvick isn't nervous at all about what's happening at bristol you know because he could get cut man i would love to see something like that That's... yeah harvick is going to be racing for a win before the year is out so is elliot elliot's out i mean if the two are up front at bristol racing for a win and why not throw kyle arson in the mix just to throw it really back to t- 2021 but you know, I just got a gut feeling on this one that Chase Elliott is, again, he's not having a good year. It's been bubbling up. It's been boiling up. And you got a step closer this weekend. I mean, he's, you know, if he's having words with his teammates now and he's getting frustrated at his teammates, I mean, that's the final frontier before I think something happens. Mr. H has had plenty of conversations this year, some of them successful. You've seen how Chastain has settled down the last few months you know it affected his performance a little bit too but i digress i foresee elliot something happens before the end of the year maybe it's a win but i also foresee him getting into some sort of a tussle with someone down the stretch mr h might have to go the chad canouse route of sitting everyone down Mm -hmm. and putting mickey mouse plates in in front of them and saying if you want to act like children (laughs) then here you go and you know what track chase elliot is is really good at the Roval. And we're going to make that the next topic because there was some big news this past week, or really the past day or two. 
where NASCAR has, uh, after all season, had stage cautions or no skate, no stage cautions, excuse me, at any of the road course events. It, they still have stages in place, but there are no caution flags waving during those stages. So it's different than the oval tracks in NASCAR, and the fans have had a pretty positive response to that, where the races have been able to play out fairly naturally. Sure, it hasn't been exactly the most action-packed events. You know, Watkins Glen was one of the quickest races of the year. Nothing really happened at the Indy Road Course, but, you know, produced a great winner in Michael McDowell and a great natural battle at the end with none other than Chase Elliott. And now, NASCAR has gone back on that decision. And it is now instituting stage cautions at the Roval, which has a fairly mixed fan reaction. I fair, I'm going to go ahead and bet that it's going to be probably mixed between you two, too. So what are your thoughts on stage cautions making a coming or making a comeback for road courses at the Roval? Do you think it's the right move or the wrong move? Dale, we'll start with you. I think it's the wrong move. I, you know, with Watkins Glen and Indy Road Course, as you said, being natural races, it was nice to see those to get a to get a break from the manufactured drama, if you will. As I'm the one who was talking about drama earlier, but anyway, um, it, it it's just nice to to see the race play out as it would. And I I don't know, the, I've seen a lot of people upset all over the internet, and it'll be it'll be interesting to see um, who it could hurt later in the race but uh, only time will tell the one of the best quotes i found from one of the drivers of this was from michael mcdowell who at the end of his tweet responding to a clip of joy logano saying that he agreed with the stage cautions coming back and wondering why I'd, I'd, i well i, I uh, not wondering but saying that he was he wasn't happy that they went away in the first place at road course he says at the end i'm with it if the fans want it but what do the fans really want it goes back to what our host ben cower said after circuit of the americas what do you people want i understand why nascar did it from their from its perspective i mean the last two road course races really didn't have any cautions and some fans found it found them kind of boring but the issue isn't isn't having more cautions the issue is that other than chicago other than the chicago street course these cars haven't really ran particularly well at least compared to the last couple of seasons at road courses it's like when brad keselowski said earlier this week or last week that he thinks nascar should eliminate some of the road courses in favor of more mile and a half tracks Uh, the the issue isn't having more mile and a half tracks the issue is fixing the car so it can run on all tracks on short on short tracks mile and a halfs everything not just mile and a halfs i i think it's fixable too you know i i don't i disagree with brad keselowski in that i like road courses i think it is a great test and i think it's been a great skill equalizer and it's brought a lot of new faces to nascar in the past couple years more than more Phenomenal talent behind the wheel than really NASCAR has had since in the modern era. Really, I mean, this is it goes back to the days of uh, of ringers coming in to run Riverside back in the day from F1 drivers Dan Gurney, 
is a name that I that really stands out to me. And now you're getting Dan Gurney esque guys coming in and racing the road courses. And I mean, you had Kimi Räikkönen last year and earlier this year. Jensen Button, F1 World Champion. Kimi is also an F1 World Champion too, by the way. Mike Rockefeller, you know, has raced in IMSA and sports cars for many years. And I mean, Shane Van Gisbergen. I mean, what can you say? He went out and won the Chicago Street Race. Now he's probably going to be racing full time in NASCAR next year in some capacity and then probably full-time in the next two years in Cobb. And he's a multi-time V8 Supercars champion, which is that series is no joke either. And there's numerous others. Andy Lally won Rookie of the Year in the Cup Series in 2011, but really a sports car guy. And he's come back and run races this year. There's plenty of names and faces that have shown up this year on the bracket that I didn't even mention. There's more of them. And I have to cut it there because I think having road courses on the schedule is good. And I think not having cautions at those, at least artificial cautions, to bunch up the field at those road courses is also good. Because you know what it does? It opens up strategy. If a road course race already is not having the most action in it and the cars get spread out, what makes the race interesting? Strategy. Strategy can make it interesting. It's what made Indy interesting. It's what made Watkins Glen interesting. It spiced it up. It's what cost Chase Elliott a chance at the win at the Glen. He ran out of gas. So, strategy has made these races interesting, even if they're not wreckfest. Even if they're not, cars are not flying everywhere. I think, in my opinion, you should give the cars, they should reduce the tapered spacer a little bit, give the cars more horsepower, and I think you'll start seeing them slide around a little bit more. I think you'll start seeing a little more action at some of the road courses. You give the cars a little more horsepower, and then maybe mess with the underside of the car more to fix some of the aerodynamics. I think that could also work for the short tracks too. But you know what? I'm not an aero. I'm not a, an aero guy. I'm not a. I'm not an aerodynamic engineer. You're so Ben Cower. I'm Ben Cower. <laughs> I'm the host of Speed Zone. <laughs> I'm a sports journalist, so I'm not uh, an expert on aerodynamics, but. I'm an armchair aero expert, as many NASCAR fans are. So maybe my solution is terrible, and maybe it, it truly is a great solution, but I'd like to see something change. As uh, I'm pretty sure everybody else would like to see some change, but this wasn't the change that we were looking for. Uh, some people mentioned that it was on on SiriusXM. Uh, you know, the, the hosts were mentioning how, you know, this is a fairly good change. And then every single caller called and said, no, this is a bad change. And you could say that's typical... NASCAR fan syndrome, where it's, oh, they're disagreeing with everything NASCAR does, because it always likes to complain, but this one, this one is legitimately worrying, and the biggest issue, and this will be my final point on this, is that there's no consistency. Already there was a lack of consistency, because half the races didn't have stage cautions, and half of them did, or did and didn't. Now, you've been running on road courses the full year, with no stage cautions, and now it's the playoffs, the most important time of the year, and now you switch it up on everybody. NASCAR could have easily used the excuse of, well, half the track is an oval, so we're going to, you know, we're treating it with oval rules. Okay, that would have still been more fair than the explanation that was offered by Elton Sawyer. And I disagree with it. I really, really, really disagree with it. Do I think that it's probably going to lead to something in the roller race in a couple of weeks? Yeah, it is. There's going to be some sort of pile up into the heartbreak, heart heartburn turn. The Tums heartburn. Turn. The Tums heartburn turn in turn one, where it is something always seems to happen every single year, and NASCAR will get exactly what it wants: drama during the playoffs. So, 
whether that ends up screwing out a very you know screwing up a, a very deserving driver of making it into the next round because of some crud that happens on a restart that was because of a artificially thrown yellow flag after a stage caution after they haven't been doing that all year yeah i uh i and i feel like a lot of fans are you guys and a lot of fans are going to have an issue with that so yeah a little sour but we'll move on to the next topic which we'll talk about noah gragson mentioned him earlier in the show was yesterday that was on the news slate as he was reinstated by NASCAR again on Tuesday. And obviously he apologized for what had happened earlier this year. You know, he was he started out the season running for Rookie of the Year with Legacy Motor Club in the 42 car. Had a two-year contract there. Was fired or released from the team. He went their separate ways in August. And since then, the 42 cars had a slew of different drivers in there. Carson Osevar, two straight top 20s in the car. Whether that shows that he's better than... Then Gregson, maybe, maybe not. Legacy's been getting faster as of recent. Who knows? But Gregson, out of the ride for a while, went into sensitivity training and obviously trying to rethink and reset his career a little bit. And mentioned in his mentioned in his apology, you know, a new team, whether that meant definitely he's racing for somebody new or if he's just talking to a potential future employer. Gregson's going to be back in the sport one way or another. He has a fairly large fan base. He's a talented driver maybe did not have a certainly had a a bad year in cup this year but very capable of winning races in multiple nascar series at worst he's an xfinity series driver next year so i'd be shocked if he isn't but i pose to you too where should noah gregson go from here sean i'll start with you i i'll give you a i'll give you a uh, i'll throw you a bone the 25 truck was a was a life preserver for Matt DiBenedetto. I was going to say that... Could he go there? Uh, I, I, potentially. I, I was going to say that it's more likely and probably a better option that he uh, start out in a lower series, whether it's, whether it's Xfinity or whether it's the 25, the 25 car, uh, sort of like a player in baseball going, uh, having a rehab stint in triple a or double a and going back up to the majors he noah gregson as as you said has the talent to run cup and just had a really horrible start of yeah the no good very bad horrible start to this year where really nothing went right for him so maybe going through training and sort of rethinking how he goes about his career can change something in that sense and starting in Xfinity series and truck series wherever that or truck series wherever that may be and that was that was the hang up that I had of well where specifically I don't really have an answer to that but in terms of what team he will go to but starting out in a lower series will be a good rehab for him if anything else if he changes his attitude, he loses his marketability. That is the one point I will make. Because a lot of people love him because he's just crazy. <laughs> he's yeah. a crazy guy. Yeah. You know, Tim Richmond-esque crazy dude. and That's uh, what he's built his whole brand on. Exactly. And it works. I mean, he. you know, there are certain things he can't change, like, you know, what he got suspended for, blah, blah, blah. But uh, as far as where he ends up, I think he could just needs to get wherever he can get you know people forget how good gregson was in the xfinity series last just, year just last year 
yeah he lit it up at the end of the tour so he, he'll get somewhere you know whether it be the Rackley 25 which makes a lot of sense because he probably won't bring funding I don't see Wendy's coming down to be no. on the 25 exactly so um, you know he would probably be somewhere with some funding another one that comes into my mind is Alpha Prime because they always seem to land a sponsor regardless of who's in the car that's fair um, so he'll, he'll be he'll be somewhere for sure and I'm sure he will excel wherever he's at I think Gregson deserves, honestly, I, I think he's a talent that at least belongs in the Cup Series. I think I'd like to see him in the Cup Series next year. Do I think he'll be in Cup? I don't know. I could see a slew of teams, maybe, shooting him an offer because I look at Rick Ware, you know, and Rick Ware Racing is kind of near the back of the Cup garage, but, you know, it landed Justin Haley, and Haley is a driver that is... I would argue kind of above that equipment, at least up until this point in his career. And he obviously is willing to help Rick build something there. There's a second car open there for next year as of now, which could possibly go away with some of the uh, the bottom three charters in the standings. Two of the three are Rick Ware. And I believe it's either the, if the 15 or the 51 finishes in the bottom three again, that charter goes bye-bye. So that could change things at Rick Ware Racing after the end of the season. But he could end up there. Uh, he could certainly end up you know, uh, somewhere in Xfinity. I, I think Ed, he falls not that far from the tray. I think he falls into Xfinity somewhere. I don't know if he goes to Alpha Prime, but you know he could end up maybe at Colleg. You know he could end up I don't know maybe with a some offshoot Ford program. I mean you think of AM Racing you know, as Brett Moffat in the seat this year. Moffat didn't make the playoffs. Maybe they land Gragson and go racing with him. You know, who knows that relationship there. But I personally think he if he stays in the top two series, I think his best shot of staying at least in cup, if it isn't Rick Ware, I think it's Colleg. I think he could end up in one of the two Colleg cars. Sean, you mentioned it last week. Uh, I, I think that Gregson could certainly end up in one of the two Colleg cars for next year, of which we're going to make that our next topic. Where Colleg's 2024 uh, driver announcement is going to happen at Bristol on Friday. And so... Dale and I might be there for that. Who knows? But uh, that will be happening at Bristol. So, you know what? It's time for a fun little impromptu segment that we're going to try out today. And it's called, Whose Arm Is It? Wait. There we go. Whose Arm Is It? So, if you don't know what I'm referencing, Chris Rice, who is the competition director at Colleague Racing, posted on Twitter earlier today, He's having a handshake with somebody, and he said Friday. One word, Friday. And presumably, the other arm is one of the two people driving one of the Colleg Cup cars next year. So let's play, Dale, Sean, whose arm is it? It's uh, a hairy dude's arm. That, that's what I gathered from the photo. <laughs> you know who has a hairy arm and already ran part-time for colleague earlier this year? Chandler Smith. Look at the picture of Chandler he Smith does. with his arms crossed in the in the colleague racing polo where it says he's going to run full-time in Xfinity racing on the colleague website. That's a pretty hairy arm, and it's a hairy arm that is very similar to the one in the picture. Look that up. That is in there. But honestly, the biggest clue to me as well is the Wawa 250 sign in the background. If you look in the background of that picture, there is a Wawa 250 sign. So whoever it is, 
had to be at Daytona, at least at Daytona for the week of the race, if not racing in the Xfinity Series race. And who else comes to mind there? Maybe Justin Allgaier. He won the series in July, but it wouldn't be him. Mm. So the Justin, it looks the person's arm has really light hair, and Justin's, you know, he's got like blondish red yeah, hair. It, the hair doesn't match. Yeah, it doesn't match. It's a, it's it's a darker hair. It's yeah. it's almost it's almost like like black hair on his arms. <laughs> so it could be you know it could be Chandler Smith. It could be Sasquatch. <laughs> Sasquatch. You know it could be uh, the. The, the beast from the Jack Link's jerf, uh, jerky commercials. Messing with Sasquatch. Yeah, I don't want to mess with Sasquatch. Could be Bigfoot. <laughs> you know, uh, maybe it's Chris Rice himself. Maybe it's his own arm holding himself. Maybe he's driving the Maybe car. it's Ryan Newman. Maybe, maybe, they, <laughs> maybe they just hired a track worker maybe with a very hairy arm. Maybe it's Matt Colleg. <laughs> maybe it's Dale Garrett. No, no Matt Colleg is a lot buffer than these arms were. Oh, no. Well, Dale, is it you? Are you driving the car? It is not me. It's not you. You know... It could be Daniel Hemrick. It could be. It could be Daniel Hemrick. I agree with the Chandler Smith prediction. I agree. I think it's Daniel Hemrick. I think that's his arm. I haven't analyzed whose arms are hairy. Do you know how hard it is to find pictures of NASCAR drivers' arms? Like, (laughs) they're in fire suits all the time. Sean, is this a research project you've been gathering (laughs) over the past few hours? Yeah, NASCAR. This isn't to say that I've done this previously, (laughs) but to prepare for this topic. I, I had to do something. You know, I think it's Daniel Emmerich. It could be Sasquatch. It could be Chandler Smith. It could be anybody. I'm saying Chandler Smith. This could be in your Dale. Are you saying Chandler Smith? I, I say Chandler Smith. I'm saying Daniel Emmerich. So, but you know what the real answer is? It's that we don't know. <laughs> it's it's that we don't know. Thanks for playing. Yeah, the people aren't happy. You hear that? They're booing. You know, you can hear them booing in the background. You're so creative. Yeah, they're they're booing. They're not happy. I'm sorry. Listen, we don't know who it is. We don't know. We don't know who it is. Oh, the, I was supposed to play "Boo You Stink" from SpongeBob, <laughs> but it didn't. So I heard it very faintly. Obviously, people are not happy. That's enough of the music. We're done with the music. Um. <laughs> We're completely done with the music now. All right, that was a fun game, wasn't it, guys? It was, it was I great. love I love fun <laughs> games. Uh, well, you know what? Maybe we'll play uh, Whose Arm Is It next week if Chris Rice does that <laughs> again. Maybe it'll be another arm post next week. Who knows? I think it's Daniel Hemrick. But we'll move on to the next topic. No more arm talk. <laughs> no th- more th- arm th- talk. Thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll stay in the uh, we'll stay in the lane of silly season news. Zane Smith said today on SiriusXM that he signed a deal for next year. Who knows where it's going to be? It won't be at Front Row Motorsports. What's the best landing spot for Smith, and where do you think he ends up? Dale, we're going to start with you on this one. Uh, I mean, the best landing spot. This is arguably and very debatable, but it could be SHR. <laughs> um, but you know. He, he could be... His, we're going to go back with the arm talk. It could be his arm. We don't know. It could be his arm. It could be his arm with colleagues. <laughs> so I, I I don't know. It I seriously have no idea. The, the Stuart Haas argument was something that I thought of as well. I don't know if it's the... The, the best, best. Uh, the best option, considering it's the performance, the performance it's had the past good. couple of years, yeah. and also I can't imagine that the forty-one will be open, considering that. Well, 
I keep saying considering, but seeing as how Ryan Priest only has one year in the 40, uh, has only had raced one year in the 41 car by the end of this year. So I can't imagine that Stuart Haas will fire him after one year, maybe the 10 car. But the next question that comes to that is, what is Stuart Haas going to do with that charter anyways? That that was one of the questions just a couple of weeks ago. Is, does Stuart Haas take away one or two of the charters, seeing as how it's, it's, it's issues off the track? And could... Zane Smith being there, maybe that's one of the options in my opinion. The other is the other is colleague, the twenty-one other people uh, considered as well. But seeing as how Harrison Burton was rumored to be re-signing with Wood Brothers last week, I, I can't imagine that that would be it either. But it's really with at least Stuart Haas a question of whether or not it keeps one or two of its charters for next year. I just want to say right now, and, you know, Harrison Burton is a, is a very nice person and, you know, was his one race as a NASCAR before. He's had plenty of success, but I'm just saying right now he's 30th in points in Cup and in, in a Penske car. Jeff, it is a Penske prepped car. Jeff Burton in shambles. But yeah, and I'm just saying right now if Ford manages to lose Zane Smith during this whole deal and yet Harrison Burton, after two years of arguably straight nothing in the 21 car, not ready for cop. And if he stays in that car over Zane, the only reason would be that Dex imaging money at this point. And, you know, money talks in racing, but that'd be an absolute shame and a massive fumble if Ford loses Zane Smith somehow, some way in this deal. I mean, he could be racing for colleague. He could be racing for Stewardos Racing. He could be maybe Trackhouse somehow gets another charter. Maybe he's at Spire next year in the 77 car. Maybe he swoops in and, you know, he guess maybe it's him versus Osovar for that seat. Who knows? But he could end up a lot of places. I think the best place he could end up is potentially a, a bit of a reformed Stewardos Racing organization i think maybe it slims down a car maybe it goes to three he goes there and i think a a, a triumvirate of josh berry chase briscoe and zane smith i think would be a great three car tango there and maybe you think about maybe it jumps ship to chevy maybe it tries and revitalizes its relationship with ford i mean that team needs to switch something up maybe selling off a charter and going down to three and trying to you know, compile its efforts kind of all into one spot might be the best option. I think Zane could end up there, but really, he has something signed. I guess we'll find out soon. Zane Smith will be cup racing next year, presumably, and very deservedly so. So just one more topic. Dale, you and I will will talk on this one. In just two weeks' time, it will be... Ona Championships weekend. It won't be the last racing weekend of the year for Ona Speedway, but there's plenty happening, Dale. Dale, you are a racer at Ona Speedway. There's plenty of features and classes there, and we're going to get to decide some champions here in a week and a half's time. So, Dale, you drive in a Legends Pro. How are you thinking things are happening there with your brother winning just last race? Yeah, it's. Uh, I am um, very satisfied to be to be second in points after through all this after the beginning of the year i'm like man lacking some confidence i don't know if i can run with these guys but but we've proven we can do that but yeah happy for my brother jason he uh finally came through after a string of second place finishes as far as the title goes jake's got a 
Uh, let's see, seven-point lead on me. He's at 96 points, and I'm at 89, and then it's a tie for third, and then fifth. Thir- the whole top five is basically under a blanket, really second through through fifth. It's going to be an absolute dogfight for sure. Mm-hmm. I would like to come out on top totally, but it would take a miracle for me to come out on top. Um, beyond that, I would like to stay in second, but that, that's also a tall order with the guys who's behind me. I I agree with that. I mean, Jake Keaton is probably going to Keaton unless something happens in that last race. Might be a two-time champion just this year alone because mm-hmm. he's dominating late models right now. I mean, he is uh, currently over 11 points over Greg Carby in second and if there aren't more than 11 cars showing up, then Jake gets it. So, Jake could hold on and win two titles this year at Ona. I think the Modifieds title is a little closer than I thought it would be. I mean, Cooper, obviously with 97, has dominated really every race he's run this year besides one race where he finished third. But, you know, West Smith isn't that far off. You know, he's got he's five points behind. If enough mods show up, then, you know, West might be able to make something happen, but it would have to be disastrous for Cooper. They won't have the car count. I think yeah. Cooper's got it. And then in the street stocks, I think this is going to be this will be the show where it is a dead heat for the lead of the street stocks right now. Kenny Chapman and Tommy Rowe in 96 points apiece for the title win at Ona. It's down to one race. Mike Christie's kind of out of it. Uh, you know, he's nine points behind with 87. So it's kind of a two horse race right now for the winner of the street stocks. Chapman or Rowe, who do you got, Dale? I think it's Roe. Roe's been a lot more consistent and had more speed over the last few races, and uh, I don't recall what uh, Chapman's last win was, but I know he's been up there as well. But I just I see Roe taking it. Both cars have won this season, so multiple times. So it's it's it is a two horse race for the street stock title, and really in nearly every race it's been Roe and Chapman finishing one and two. They had a photo finish in the first race of the year. Mm-hmm. We might get another photo finish this time around, so it's going to be one heck of a race in the street stocks. And then the U cars, Chris Deskins is dominated again. Dale uh, again, Jay Workman unlucky last race out where the 76 had issues immediately after the beginning of the 20 lap feature and he was the first car to pull in caught the wall early on something happened in the rear end of that car and now he's 11 points behind deskins heading into the final points race Mm -hmm. yeah it's deskins most likely has that locked up and uh yeah I, i don't foresee anything happening there crazy compact stacy watson currently 12 point or 11 points excuse me ahead of evan proctor even when evan strickland the winner three points behind proctor in third uh strickland winning last race again behind proctor with 112 and then again stacy watson with five wins this year 123 points watson has been almost unbeatable the only person that's been well up until last race uh, the events of last race. The only person that had been able to beat Watson this year was Thomas Bailey, who essentially was a two-race ringer and went two for two. Mm-hmm. So Watson probably got the crazy compacts title locked up, but again, I know uh, your buddy Evan Proctor will be pushing hard, at least to win one. And well, He'll have plenty more opportunities this year, but he'll have a few, but mm-hmm. at least try and make up some of that points gap here late. And then, uh, I guess, finally, the semi-pro title. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah. That is going. That is talk about one heck of a race to the finish. I mean, Adam Jeffrey, who, you know, his family, the namesake of namesake sponsor of the semi-pro series, Jeffrey Trucking, Legends Car Semi-Pro, 
removed from the series after winning three races in the first four events, and he got pushed up to pro. You know, is learning is is he's learning the ropes in pro, but semi pro. I mean, two races ago, it was an unbelievable photo finish between Rob Dunlap and Randall Klein. And how fitting that it's Rob Dunlap and Randall Klein separated separated by just one point at the top of the standings. Klein's behind by one with 72. Dunlap's got 73. And Klein won his first race of the year last race over Rob Dunlap in second. Jay Dunlap, brother of Rob, in third with 68. And then Jeremy Dozier in fourth with 64. Really, those are the cars in the kind of the sphere here. But presumably, it's going to be between two Dunlaps and a Klein for this title, Dale. What do you got? I Rob is in the lead by one point, and I foresee him keeping it that way. I, I'm unsure. Who wins the tiebreaker? Well, Klein has a win. Rob has one win. Mm-hmm. So if it's a true tie, it would go down to probably it, average finishes. I think it goes down to top three, top five, top tens or something. Probably, and neither of them have ever really finished at the bottom of the order. Except for, you know, did Rob finish in the bottom of of the field in that first race when Jay won in the po- first race of the season? Possibly. I, I don't know. I mean... We'd have to check on the tiebreaker, we, but... We would. It could be. It could be down to a umpteenth tiebreaker between Rob Dunlap and Randall Klein, which really that photo finished two races ago, Dale, a, really the semi-pro season in a nutshell ever since Jeffrey moved up. I have... Rob Dunlap taking it over Klein for the sole purpose because Rob Dunlap was faster than Klein last race. That is true. Numerous laps, um, but couldn't get around him. You know, Ona's famously tough to pass on, and but he was faster. And he, both cars, both drivers have improved significantly since the start of the year. It'll be a barn burner for sure, but I think Rob hangs on. Yeah, it's certainly going to be one heck of an event, and that'll be September 23rd, so it's going to be an action-packed day here in the region. You know, it's going to be VT and Marshall Football, Ona Championships at Ona Speedway, and then later that same night it'll be a ranked men's soccer matchup here at Hoops Family Field at Marshall University. So between uh, UCF and Marshall, as of now, both ranked teams, UCF 6 and Marshall 2. So that's going to be... One heck of a day for sports here in the area, but uh, personally, I'll be at Ona Speedway calling the action and watching Dale race for a title. So I will be on call for one quarter, at least, on play-by-play of the Virginia Tech game. That will be here on WMEL. There's going to be a slew of, uh, of, uh, of people rotating in between play-by-play and color, but we will have the Virginia Tech game here on WMEL-FM. All right. So, yeah, but nice plug there for, again, there's plenty of ha- plenty of stuff happening that night, so whatever, wherever you choose to be, please enjoy it, and it's going to be a fun time that Saturday night. Dale and I are going to have some fun this Saturday night and Friday night at Bristol Motor Speedway, so mm-hmm. Dale, I'm very excited. Sean, again, thank you for coming on the show. Both of you, thank you for being on the show yet again. Hope you guys had a blast. It's always great to be on. As always, it's great to be on Speed Zone. So, with that... That's going to conclude this evening's show. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed uh, Whose Arm Is It? Uh, the best game show in the world. The weekly segment. Yeah, the weekly segment. No, that's not going to be a <laughs> weekly segment. 
All right. So for Sean Kelly, Dale Garrett, I'm Ben Cower. Thank you all for tuning in this evening. Again, plenty of racing action this weekend, next weekend, all over the place the rest of the year. So have a good night. Stay safe. Watch some racing and have a good weekend. You've been listening to another sports presentation on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network.